Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ascension Soul Wisdom with your host, Reverend James Ellis. Clairvoyant Reverend James Ellis is an ordained minister specializing in holistic living and is a spiritual intuitive counselor. He helps in providing assistance in soul purpose activations for individuals that are seeking soul growth. His practice offers comprehensive healing expansion from the 144th dimension of reality for soul ascension. His intuitive guidance is tailored to meet the needs of each individual. Well, hey, 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 welcome to the show. I am so excited today. I got one of my dearest friends and one of uh, the most intelligent and uh, clever intuitives that I know, and her name's Carol Goldstein. She used to do a a show called uh, the Carol Gold Hour. So when you look in... um, when you look in in the chat box, I've listed her website uh, contact information. So sometimes her her email is actually contact at carolgold.com, but her website is carolgoldstein.com, and there is a carolgold.com. Carol and I have been in business for many many years, and so when you have that experience, you get a lot of different websites. And you get a lot of different uh, um, contact information. I myself have several. So I'm going to welcome Carol on right now, and I will start the show because it's really going to be exciting for everyone. So if you give me one second. Uh, hi, Carol. Can you hear me? I can, Jay. How are you? I'm I'm actually great. This is really exciting to do this with you. Uh, you know, I love uh, your energy, and you know that I, I love helping people. So that's what we're here for, and I welcome you. Thank you, Jay. It's great to be here with you, too. The, the admiration is mutual, and I know we both have the same goal, which is to help people through this very challenging time of transition. Um, Carol, why don't you tell a little bit about your um, experience with um, counseling and all the different types of uh, uh, subject. Well, first off, you're a lawyer. You know, go ahead and give a little bit of your experience, only just so they can understand that we're actually coming from a very grounded place and not, you know, a lot of hypotheticals. Absolutely, sure. Um, I am an attorney by, by education, and I practiced for almost 15 years um, family law. But I also have been a lifelong intuitive, and blending those two sides of my brain, the logical, rational, and the creative intuitive, has always been my goal. And I believe I reached that point about a decade ago when I realized that the intuitive is actually there in order to help us through the practical and the rational and the everyday challenges that we face. And that if we understand that the intuitive in each of us is there as a, what I call a GPS, a God positioning system, that it's there to help us navigate physical reality, 3D reality, then they're not mutually exclusive. They are, in fact, two sides of the same coin. And when we learn how to balance them um, effectively, we, are, we become our own um, uh, source of, of highest and best possible guidance and information. I've used my ability to do counseling with couples, 
to uh, relationship uh, counseling so that people don't have to go through extended psychotherapy. It's called the Relationship Gap uh, Counseling and Survey. It's on my website, carolgold.com, Carol with an E. Um, I also do private readings, obviously, in an effort to help people both in their personal and professional lives. And in my own life, I am constantly challenged with applying the actual knowledge and and intuitive wisdom that I receive to my own life. And so I find it important that I keep upping my own game and challenging myself to live my best and highest life so that when I give guidance or act as a channel or a vehicle for other people, that I am not hypothetical or purely um, uh, philosophical, but that I've lived these truths and I know the efficacy of applying the higher wisdom to the 3D reality. And, and so I hope, I hope, Jay, that that's, you know, kind of the overview that you're looking for. Um, it's absolutely what I was looking for because um, I want people to understand that we're real people. We're people that have lived real lives and that in doing that, we have garnered so many uh, uh, different techniques on moving forward. And because we have worked a long time in the higher aspect of living in a 3D world, trying to be more or uh, trying to be the light for other people, we um, we go through the same experiences and sometimes that we need to be taught lessons and that's why we have those experiences. And because we're coming from a, a actual experiences ourselves, we really can speak openly on this. And I love the subject because I believe 99% of what goes on with people, and this isn't statistically, so this is a, one of those um, based on my intuitive abilities, uh, Almost everybody operates from a level of fear, and it's usually unconscious fear, but it's uh, it does the root when you – I've examined people and I've followed situations back that, uh, according to the cords that people hold on to, and I it does come down to fear, and it's usually an unconscious fear or um, a subconscious fear. Uh, I don't know what your experience is, or, or, uh, Carol, but please, you know, pipe in. Well, if you you look at my website, they'll see that I've been speaking to fearless change for almost two decades. It's kind of my thing. And yet the irony is, is that I am fundamentally and have been most of my life a very fearful, worrisome kind of person. And so it's the the instruction of the wounded healer, right? It's that I am constantly... Um, upping my own game around my fears so that I can effectively talk about remedy for dealing with fear. Because I think you're right. I think change, which is the most constant and common thing we do as living beings, we are constantly changing. Change is what is what causes fear. We somehow we are we are we seek permanence and the the essence of life is impermanence. And so when we seek permanence, but we get impermanence, we get constant change, 
happens is we're frightened of that because what we really want is consistency. We don't want the change. Yet change is where growth comes from. So it's the paradox of understanding that the nature of life is change. Change brings on fear, and the fear needs to be managed or understood and properly applied so that it doesn't act as a barrier to change, which then causes stagnation and in the physical body disease, all of the things that resist change cause, you know, Jay, if I could, let me just give a recent example. Um, and, and I want to talk on the show today at some point about the actual way to deal with fear, because there's a lot of now everyone saying, you know, let's limit the fear bring down the fear around coronavirus, the fear of driving everything. And while many people are saying that, not many people are talking about, okay, how do I actually do that? How do I actually manage the fear? What is it that I can do to lower my own fear level? And I have an actual <laughs> explanation and remedy that I'll get to on this show. But I first want to explain what I mean about upping my own game. As you know, Jenny, I recently moved from South Carolina to Pennsylvania. I moved with my daughter for the intention of permanently residing in Pennsylvania, buying a home. We lived for two months in an Airbnb while I looked to buy a house. And in those two months, I went under contract for four different homes. And each time those deals fell through for one reason or another, we were exhausted. We were emotionally, physically, and mentally exhausted. And I began to have a lot of fear around, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Where are we going to live? The virus rose, raised its ugly head, and we're not, uh, we were not anchored anywhere. All of our belongings were in storage. It was a very terrifying and anxiety experience. However, I kept pulling cars. I do, and I kept meditating and asking my own guidance, reaching out to others like you, Jay, whose guidance I respect, and it was apparent to me that the universe was not allowing me to stay in Pennsylvania. It would not support me being there, and so I accepted that, and with that acceptance, within three days, 22 hours, I was able to purchase online a home in Texas where I had come from before South Carolina. A phenomenal home with everything and more that I had I had been seeking. And in a after a four day drive from Pennsylvania to Texas, which was grueling also because we had our cats with us and we had two cars and all of our belongings were on a store, we're on a moving van. Here I am now. And it's as if the Pennsylvania experience never happened. So what, what I learned through it all, what I was asked to do was to trust the wisdom of the universe, was to not allow the fear to override the trust, the allowance, and to let the flow of the universe take me. Because the moment that I released Pennsylvania, everything that happened with ease, grace, synchronicity, and expeditiously, fast, really fast. 
So in less than a week, I had a house and I was in a new state. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the level of fear that arises in us, not only when we seek change, but when the change we seek does not seem to be that which we want. We have to allow that there's wisdom greater than our own, oftentimes. And when you know that's in play, when you keep banging your head against the door, so to speak, that will not open. When that happens, there has to be a letting go. There has to be an acknowledgement that there is intelligence greater than our own limited intelligence in 3D reality. And that allow the flow of that intelligence to move us and that we move with the grip of water around a rock instead of trying to move through the rock. Allow it to take us where it wants to go. And that will always be the highest and best outcome. Um, I agree. And I think when we, uh, as soon as we go into little states of fear and we identify it, then we, uh, uh, we rise to the next level because there is a level where people get in fear and they can't get out of it because they just don't know how. And I think the other thing that happens is if you identify it, it's the first step to identifying your truth. What really is your truth? And that is where a lot of people get really confused because they don't really know what they're thinking. They don't know what they're feeling. They're just kind of, you know, um, going along with everything and, and they're holding the vibration of fear, like, uh, is this going to affect me? When is this going to affect me? Uh, what am I going to do if it affects me? Oh, no. I, I actually have a daughter now in New York that um, is unemployed uh, until the schools open again. But, you know, that puts her broke, and she's alone. So uh, that puts her in tremendous fear. So it's really important that we start identifying that we are having experiences of fear first. That's the initial thing is to identify what's going on with me. Do you feel the vibration? I am a vibrational person, so uh, I feel the vibration before I know anything else is going on, and then it builds to a point where I identify, identify and then I take course action. So uh, I don't know if that moves us forward, Carol, but I hope that helps. Well, yes, because let me share that I am not a vibrational person and that I experience fear immediately as anxiety. For me, when I, the moment I have anxiety, I know I'm fearful. I don't feel a vibratory change. I feel a, an anxiety change. I know from a, a, a place of sort of inner peace to a place of incredible, worry. It's almost like I ratchets up. Now, he said people get to that place of fear and they don't know how to get it. I really want to speak to that because I think that getting a practical um, method of moving yourself out of fear is very important. And, and here's how I would address it. Everything is energy. Everything energy, right? Everything is vibrating right. at a different frequency. And so whether it's the table in your in your dining room or it's your your the corpus in your in your bud, everything is energetic, everything is vibrating. Vibrating at a different frequency. Okay. We know that radio waves travel in the air. We don't see them. Don't know where they are. 
But if you turn on your radio, there's music because that frequency, that transmission occurs in the airwaves, literally. Okay. There are many frequencies in the airwaves, many, more than we can possibly comprehend. Each of those frequencies, like AM and FM, different data, different information, different tones are transmitted depending on the frequency. So, for example, if you're listening to AM and you want to hear Beethoven, you're probably going to have to tune in FM because you're not going to get Beethoven on AM. You need to be on the right frequency because somewhere someone is transmitting classical music on FM and you need a receiver on your end in order to receive that transmission. That much we understand. You're in your car, you want to hear different music, you change the channel, so to speak. Okay. Yes. Fear, fear has a frequency. Fear has a frequency on which it is transmitted and received. You need a transmitter, you need a means of transmission, a vehicle of transmission, and then you need a receiver. There is fear being transmitted at all times, but particularly in times like these where there is an agenda for what fear will allow control of, what fear can do once people are effectively frightened. There is fear transmitted. It is transmitted the same way radio waves are. You cannot see the transmission, but you can receive it. Same way you can receive your radio transmission or your Sirius XM transmission or your Netflix transmission if you have an instrument on the other end that will receive the frequency. In the case of fear, you are the receiver. You need to be tuned in to that frequency in order for it to affect you. If you tune it out, it cannot affect you. And so how do you tune out fear becomes the bottom line question. Well, I will give you the same solution that when I speak to high schools or I speak to organizations about depression and suicide, what I used to tell high school students is when you are depressed and feeling like there's no hope and no way out, the thing you have to do is have to create a crack in that mindset that things are hopeless. How do you do that? You do something you love. You do something you love. Now, that's very hard to do when you're depressed because when you're depressed, you don't want to move. You feel immobile. You feel energetic as if you have energy. But whether it's pet your cat or play the piano or paint a or take a walk in nature, the moment you take an action or a step towards something you enjoy, something you love, you put a crack in the depression. You put a crack in the frequency at which the depression is operating in your, in your consciousness. And once that crack occurs, the light, so to speak, can enter. And it can begin to dissipate the darkness as light will do. It's no different with fear. When you are fearful, 
You have to stop being a receiver of that transmission. How do you do that? Well, you, there, are, there are many ways, but some of the most effective are this. You stop, number one, tuning in to anything that is broadcasting or transmitting fear. In the present situation, that's most of the news. It, most of, it's, it's many of the sites on the Internet. Do not allow your eyes or your mind to focus on things are making you fearful. The other thing you do is you turn away from fear and move in the direction of something that is life-affirming and positive. So again, whether it's a paint or music or you sew or you read or something uplifting or you take a walk in nature or play with your animals, you have to shift your mind, your consciousness, put fear and onto something that is moment, positive, hopeful, future-oriented toward a better and higher reality. And so if you remember that fear is literally being transmitted, and if you remember that you don't have to spin, then suddenly your free will, that thing we call free will, ability to create your reality by the choices that you make becomes your greatest weapon against being the object of a fearful trans. I think that once people hold in their consciousness that everything is energy, that fear is energy, it's a specific frequency, you know, if you on YouTube and you type in any of the, the, the Solfeggio or the, uh, the Hertz, nine, what is it, 936 or 956 or any higher frequency music, uh, music tones, you do that for reason. You do it to put that frequency into your body in order to move your consciousness to a level of your happiness, manifestation, positive thinking, whatever frequency you're listening to. Because everything in you vibrates to a frequency and you can attune, I mean, Jay, you're a musician, you can attune the instrument of your body and consciousness to whatever frequency you want to attune it to if you have something to which you can um, uh, uh, use as a standard for attuning yourself standard you want to attune yourself to is not fear. Therefore, you can't use, continually expose yourself to a full frequency. You are tuning yourself to fear, and you are making certain that you remain It is totally under our control what we want to do now with the fear frequency. Absolutely, and I've said for, I say all the time, you know, Happiness is a choice. You have to choose to be in the vibration of joy, happiness, and uh, goodness in experience. And if you're not choosing that, then you're having lower vibrations. And I try to tell everybody, it's just a vibrational shift. That's all happiness is. It's not that you're any different. It's you're choosing to be at a different vibration. And when you take happiness and understand that, you know, I get to choose if I want to be happy. So, and I just want to use an example really quickly of 
um, money. Uh, I This time of year is always a weird time for me because I have to pay my taxes and my car insurance, and one's $950, and one's just to have my taxes done is $500. So that's a lot of money to me. So I always can, uh, before, years ago, I would get really upset and really, like, all angered because I was fearful of how much more money do I have to pay, and this is cash going out of my account. And without my cash, I don't have what I need. And so, but instead of doing that anymore, now what I do is I just accept it as this is the reality, and I don't place a value on it. I just place that that's an expense and it will be paid. And I don't claim that it uh, angers me anymore. And I don't claim that uh, um, how scared I am of big bills. Because, uh, you know, $1,000 is, when, it's funny, my son said to me, he said, well, you know, when you spend $1,000, you're actually spending $2,000 because it takes you all that time to catch up to get that $1,000 back. So, and I uh, do think that's true. So, uh, and I feel, though, I don't have any feeling about my taxes now. It's gone. It took me years to get over it. But I had to work at it every time. I had to say, okay, this is the reality. Let it go. You can still be happy. And even if I don't have any money, I feel like I'm supported by the universe, and I'm going to allow that to happen instead of focusing on how am I going to do it, how am I going to do it, and not be able to do it. Um, did I say that clearly? Oh, well, <laughs> yes, you said it perfectly, Jay. And, and I want to share in a similar um, hurdle. And is that I have had a life fear around money. I take that back. I've had a fear around money for the last maybe 15, 18 years. And there's a reason. I never had a fear around money, but I spent a lot of time with who was fearful around money, and I owned that fear. And I've spent the last 15 or so years trying to get over that acquired fear around lack, insufficiency, and money. And what just happened, an example of how we perceive things versus how they can manifest. As I told you in Pennsylvania, I was under contract with four houses. I had a finite amount of money that I could spend on a house. Every one of the homes that I was under contract with, desperately trying to buy to get us grounded and, and perfectly situated, were pathetic in terms of what they were offering, what I was getting for the money all needed work and they all would have required workmen to come in to even make it them habitable initially. They want short a bathroom. They were short they were serious renovations. Well number one, with the coronavirus having exploded as it did, I could not have had workmen at this point. So any one of those four homes I would have been stuck in without the renovations and my budget would have been stretched till the last dollar. Instead with the flow of the universe, I have a home completely renovated, completely updated, with beautiful grounds, totally private, lovely outdoor areas, for less money than I was spending in Pennsylvania. So where I was thinking that I was scraping by in Pennsylvania to have what I was trying to force to have happen, the universe provided me with something beyond my expectations for greater value for dollar amount. 
And so that's why I said earlier, it's so important to allow the flow and to not allow the fear to block the flow. I'm not saying I wasn't fearful, but I was cognizant. I was aware of my fear, and I was doing everything I could to um, transcend my fear, whether I was doing it internally or whether I was reaching out to people who I knew high consciousness advice, which is why, you know, no, neither Jay nor I want any reliant upon us as, quote, psychics or intuitives. Neither Jay nor I want you calling us every week, every week, every week. So what's the latest information? Nobody wants, we don't want that. People who are really on a spiritual path to empower you so that you can become your own guide. However, as I just said, there are times when it's perfectly acceptable and it's the right thing to do. If you feel you are jammed up in your own transmissions and receiving, receptions and transmissions, to reach out to someone, as I do, as I've reached out to Jay, I have another friend in South Carolina, I have another friend in Pennsylvania, I will reach out to these people who I know have higher consciousness um, developmental skills like my own, but I'm human and I trip up periodically so that I can get clear and move past my own fear. Is that, Jay, would you say that that's an accurate description of how how to access intuitives like you and me? Yes. I think that's, I don't think anybody needs to trust another person's opinion, truthfully, if they're tapped into their own truth. But I do think that when we get in confusing situations, another person's uh, especially an intuitive or a psychic, has the ability to see it differently. And they're not caught up in the emotions that you're carrying or they're, the other person's carrying. So they're able to get a clearer picture. Sometimes when you're in the midst of uh, decision-making or uh, fraught with fear because you don't, know how, you don't see an, a way out, somebody like myself, and I've had so many experiences like this, and I wish I had some callers to call in and um, elaborate on their experiences through it. Because uh, I have, um, you know, clients call and they're usually in distress. And they're in distress because they can't see clearly where they need to move forward. Uh, I want to bring it to fear, though, and I want to just say this. When you have fear and you can't figure it out for yourself, the first thing to do is face the fear. Uh, and then see if that doesn't eliminate it. Because lots of times when we have fear, it's a story. And there, and we're good. It's a human nature to tell a story on everything. Everything's a story. You go to the store, it's a story about going to the store. <laughs> you know, you went, yeah, that was the physical activity. But what happened and transpired is the story. So when you're facing fear and you're really, really scared, what is the story? What's the story? I can't pay my bills, so I'm going to get evicted. I'll be out on the street. I won't have any food. Okay, so cancel the whole story and say, okay, I at this time need to have a different solution. And by facing that fear, it allows you to possibly look at a different solution. If you can't let go of the fear, you won't find the answer. But if you let go of it, you will find a solution. So it's really important to identify that you're having fear. Then once you have the fear, what you want to do is you want to see 
what is the story that you're telling yourself? And uh, I, um, I think it was Edgar Tolle. Uh, maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was in, um, I, I'm not going to say where it's from. It was in a, a book the, um, where you said how you have to step out of the circle. Um, I think it's the road less traveled. Uh, it, you're walking in a circle all the time, and if you want something to change, you have to step out of the circle. Otherwise, you'll continue creating the same circle. So if you're having fear, it means that you've got to a point where you're scared. And the only way out of that fear is not to keep going in fear. It's to step away from it, and then the circle is broken. And I think you explained that a little bit earlier in a, a slightly different uh, um, way. That is the way that you break through fear. You have to identify it, tell the story that you're telling, and see where it's story and see where it's reality. And if it's reality, like when the reason why we have the fear emotion is for fight or flight. It means that you either fight the, the fear, and you face it, and you have to either fight your way out of it or you have to um, run, <laughs> So if there's a lion attacking you, you want to run or a wolf or, a, you know, something wild out in nature attacking you, you run because you're fearful. But we as become such a society of where those kind of threats don't fear us anymore. We, we just don't have those fears most of the time. Most of the time we're creating illusion or starting to tell ourselves stories this isn't going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and then this story, and the story expands to where you really get more and more fearful. So I'll leave it there for you, Carol, and you can ad-lib on it. Well, I think, you know, the effectiveness of what you just said is so profound that I can share with our listeners that in times when I have reached out to you on several occasions, have perhaps texted you, or emailed you or called you because I was stuck on something and I would send you the circumstances. Maybe I would text you a a paragraph of what I was experiencing, waiting for some profound guidance to come back and, and an explanation. You would text me back and say, that's a story. (laughs) And the minute I would read those words, the minute I would read those words, it was the shift. Because the minute I would see that, I would say to myself, he's absolutely right. I'm telling a story. Let me just move past the story because I'm reinforcing what is probably an illusion or only a partial perception or a limited perception or even a misperception of what's actually occurring. So why keep repeating it or why be stuck in it? So I think you're right. 100%. I think... Story portion, tell yourself it's a story, recognize that it's a story, move past the story is, is critical advice. The other piece of that is, before you even get that far, is to remember that fear is actually a literal thing that is coming your way on a frequency that you can do something about, and that's when you identify, oh my gosh, I'm telling myself this story because I'm frightened. I can stop being a receptor for that transmission and I can change the way I'm looking at it, which is the effect of changing the station from AM to FM. There you are. There's your practical 
uh, methodology for stopping and transmuting the fear frequency. The other thing I would add, Jay, is that um, fight or flight, you're right, there aren't lions and tigers anymore. The fear that we have become trained to respond to is psychological fear. It's not physical fear. However, and even the coronavirus is a psychological fear. Yes, there's a certain amount of physical illness, but the majority of what's going on right now is psychological fear. And the real damage of psychological fear is that it causes the same physiological reaction of fight or flight, which is all of the toxins in our body that are emitted when we are truly threatened, like when a lion is chasing us, the toxins that make us run faster, think smarter, um, get out of the way of trouble, they are only meant to be, to be emitted into the physical system in spurts. But when you are constantly psychologically fearful, you are constantly emitting those toxins into your system on a permanent basis for as long as you're fearful. And what that, that does is it suppresses your immune system. And so one of the greatest things you can do for yourself to boost your immune system, to not be in a vulnerable position for something like the coronavirus or the flu or any other disease, is to not be in fight or flight. To not be in fight or flight is to not be frightened. To not be frightened is to remember you're telling yourself a story and you can switch the station by moving out of that story and moving into something that is more life-affirming in your thoughts and in your consciousness. And when you do that, you actually do get better. <laughs> you know, you don't, yeah, right. it tells you, you shift. You actually shift. Right. And, and the experience is, uh, I love that we're talking about this because I believe the news is really, really um, sensationalizing, more so than helping. I do understand that there's a crisis, and I do understand. It could affect me. I have a limited lung capacity, or I have spots on my lungs or whatever. So, you know, it could affect me, and I could be scared of it, and I could be having a mask on and surrounding myself in, you know, Euroguard or whatever you have to wear. But... I trust that, you know, if this is truthfully my time, then it's going to happen whether I'm in a, a mask or not. But I'm going to also use common sense and try to decipher what the true story is. And I think why we're having such a hard time in the United States is the true story isn't actually out there yet. We are not actually sure how. Uh, we're seeing, you know, big numbers of people getting ill, we're seeing big numbers of people getting well. We're seeing um, medium, I would say medium to low numbers of people dying. And I, I say low in comparison to like, uh, I'm not saying that every person that dies is important. Don't get, I'm not trying to do that kind of uh, analysis. Everyone's important and every person dying is important. And we are taking appropriate steps to try to move forward to limit the exposure to everyone in the whole world. But we don't need to sensationalize. Uh, there's a possibility that you won't be able to get the test. And now people are like, oh, are we going to get the test? And now all that fear is rampant. 
because they don't know if they're going to get the test, and they don't even know if they're going to get the disease. So they got people scared that don't even have the disease. And that vibration of fear is jettisoning through the whole world. And where there are populations of people that are getting massively ill in Italy, they're sensationalizing it. Look how bad, how bad, how bad. Instead of saying, we need to, uh, you know, uh, send the vibration of healing to these people. We need to send love in, uh, as a, a country or as a people. If we joined in changing the vibration, the whole equation would shift. Uh, this this may be a, 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 a not exact segue. I want to throw this because I thought of it earlier, and it's re- and it's relevant to um, healing. And that is, I've had pain in my right leg and for for almost a year now. And last night was the equinox, and I remember that I had read that the equinox. It's important to release that which you no longer want to hold. And you, Jay, have been telling me for months that the pain in my leg and my hip was energy, old energy that needed to be released. And so yesterday, um, in early conversation with you, I had mentioned and refreshed your memory that the equinox was last night. And so you said to me, oh, that would be a perfect time to go out and lay on the ground and give your the energy that's in your body to Mother Earth to transmute. Well, because like you, I believe everything is energy, and I believe everything is alive, and I believe that the Earth has that capacity and capability. Last night at 9.50, the equinox occurred, Eastern time, I went out and laid down on the ground and released all the uh, energy that was in my body that was no longer serving me, and I gave it to Earth to transmute into new growth and positivity. I want you to know that last night I had a perfectly pain-free night's sleep, which was astonishing because my pain is worse at night in bed, and it keeps me up. I had a pain-free night's sleep. Now, one could say coincidence if one is not a believer in, in the concept of energy and transmutation and all that we talk about. However, remember something. I'm also an attorney. I'm a logical, rational person. And what I started out the show by saying is the key is balancing those two. So, I mean, I didn't, I didn't lay there forever. I mean, I'm in Texas. There's snakes. There's scorpions. I was in pitch black. I was on the ground, okay? I, but I laid there long enough that I felt a true connection with the earth under my body. And, and, and gave that pain up, but gave it up at the same time with a belief that what I was doing was possible, that what I was doing was not fanciful. It was in reality based in physics and in theories of energy and frequency and vibration. And so we talk about a lot of this stuff theoretically. And one could say, listening to the show or other shows, that it's all pie in the sky, it's all very but how do you, you know, really live this stuff? I are telling you stories, telling you not not stories to 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 confuse you or stories to um put a, a rose colored glasses on what's happening. We are sharing with you actual experiences that we have in our own lives 
which are the application of the higher laws, the higher principles that apply, that you're not going to get in fear-based It doesn't serve the greater agenda. And by the way, if I can plug my book for a minute, Jay, on this show, um, I talk about the 12 principles of energy. I talk about them in depth and how to use them every day in your life in my new book on Amazon called The Questions God Will Ask, Prepping for the final exam. Um, it's by Carol Holstein, and you can pick it up on Amazon or on my website, carolgold.com, carolgoldstein.com. The questions I'll ask prepping for the final exam. Thanks, Jay. Absolutely. And what I, uh, what I'm, uh, I'm glad we're doing this because some of the things that I tell people to do, they sound ridiculous, and that's why I say just <laughs> try it. You know, I, I just try it because I know it sounds ridiculous, but it is about vibration and the difference. If you do a different vibration, you'll get a different result. And I know people don't believe that, but we scientifically it's proven with the Celebato or the um, the other one, the Schumann resonance uh, frequencies. They if you put them on in the background, they can actually alter the vibration in a room to where you feel more pleasant and you don't have any clue why. But try it and see if it doesn't make a difference. And the other reason why this is important is because vibration is so important. They're actually, that's why I'm worried about 5G because 5G is going to bring a vibration of a microwave into the airwaves. And that is going to be scary because it, it will affect people physically. And vibration does affect you physically. And if the vibration is skewed uh, incorrectly, it can cause you to have negativity or fear. And I, that's why people that are addicted to the news right now are in fearful states because the news is sensationalizing fear. Not all of the news most of the news. And it's because most of the news is not good news. Uh, If we could figure out what the good news is in this, then we could actually shift everybody into thinking, okay, well, like today I heard that um, uh, there are two medicines that you can take and there's a possible possibility that that can work. So it's in the testing phases. That's really good news. My gosh, they found two things that might work. Uh, but instead, what we hear is 4,000 people died worldwide and everybody's fearful because of the dead people. Unconsciously, we don't know that people that have the flu are dying by the thousands, and we're not mentioning every day. It's because we're sensationalizing it. It's creating a higher level of fear. It's creating a higher level of panic. It's making people be in greater discourse, whereas if we could just instead of sensationalize it, stop telling the story, face the reality, and in that reality, take the precautions that will protect you in your best and highest interest, and then you won't get coronavirus. You know, if you just do that practical measuring moving forward. Uh, I'll let you go. Yeah, no, two things. One, um, I did use the president. Um, Every night that I was in the Airbnb in Pennsylvania, I put it on my laptop in my bed. 
I slept every night through all of the stress um, with the Schumann resonance in the background as I slept. And I really believe that that was a factor in helping me get through the experience. And it's that I have moments of incredible anxiety, but I really believe that that background at night of the Schumann resonance was, was in sleep attuning me frequency that was allowing me to get through the experience was buttressing me, fortifying to handle an incredible amount of stress. The other thing I want to say about the medications is I did send an email yesterday about those two medications you just referred to, um, ZPAC combined with um, hydroxychloroquine. And the one is ZPAC is an antibacterial, and the other one is an anti-malarial drug, and there are promising results with that. But let's kick it up even another level. All of those drugs have side effects, and 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 anti-malarial, the hydrochloroquine, has some pretty serious side effects. Some of them can be reversed, and some not. The, the probably the most dangerous is heart arrhythmia. However, however, you know when it started. I began to take six drops of oil of oregano under my tongue every day. I've been doing that for probably a month now because oil of oregano is an antiviral. And while I had no idea what this virus was or what would, what would prevent it or what would mitigate it, I at least knew that I had a natural remedy that had worked in the past for me many times when I felt illness coming on. I would take six drops of oil of oregano under my tongue once a day and somehow stave off the illness. When I sent out the email yesterday when I had heard about the two drugs you referenced, a, a professional, a chiropractor named Kevin Gina, Garina, who is on Facebook, it's G-Y-U-R-I-N-A, um, he's, a, he's a naturopath as well. He sent me back an email saying those drugs are also pretty dangerous in their side effects, and the better route would be. And he listed a whole bunch of natural remedies, one of which is the oil of oregano, one of which is colloidal silver, a bunch of the A vitamin, which is antiviral. Uh, my point is this. Yes, at a certain frequency, those pharmaceuticals will work and help people. They will also have side effects, as, as man-made drugs do. On another frequency level, if your consciousness is really high and you are living the truth of the higher consciousness, you can probably use things, but I'm not recommending. This is not a medical show. This is not medical advice. Yeah. This is only talking about frequency. There probably is a, a way at a level of consciousness to use all natural remedies because after all, a bacteria or a virus is simply another part of nature. And we have to believe that everything that was created in nature also has an antidote in nature. However, in the interim, the point is not whether or not you use pharmaceuticals or whether or not you choose to go a more natural route, neither of which are being ended on this show, only a conversation. The most important thing and the thing you can do immediately is where we started today, which is match fear by understanding it's a frequency transmission, changing the story you're telling yourself about it. And I think that's the substance of why we did the show, was to help people identify the reality of fear, not just the word or the philosophical concept, 
but the understanding that it's energy transmission, like radio waves, and that it's actually something you can do about it, and you are very committed to helping people do something about it. So on that, let's um, let's take a caller and sit. let's just take a caller. Is that okay? Sure. Let's just see. Yeah, I'm gonna try five one two. They've been waiting for a while. Maybe I'm not. Maybe it's, oh, I'm pressing the wrong computer. I'm pressing it, and uh, that's not. It's okay. <laughs> and it's not the if you can, one where you, you press them on the air. 512, you're on the air. Can I get your first name and where you're calling from? Uh, hi, Reverend James, Melissa. Oh, hey, Melissa. Um, did you have anything that you wanted to add to the show? Yes, um, I, it's a very, I'm glad that you're having the show because uh, you're right on track and, of course, the session uh, brings us the, the brightest information. Uh, can you please specify again uh, what exactly Cordova because uh, we had Ebola, and then we have we have someone like you said, and then and the media is is not helping. Of course, I think this is a turnaround for people also to appreciate nature, our farmers, and be more sustainability. And can you please specify more? What what is that disease? What I thank you. Um, she's asking what ac- what actually is coronavirus. Thank you. Well, I'm not a doctor, and I know Jay isn't either. I would answer from a purely um, a standpoint of the continuity and the wholeness of nature. I think that um, there are there are bacteria and viruses that are around us all the time that our bodies are immune to many of them because of conditioning and exposure and antibodies that we build up naturally. And that periodically you get um, cross-transmissions between species that can happen, or you can get alterations of viruses and bacteria in laboratories by humans. And in the case of corona, I think it's very possible that there was a, a mutation within a laboratory um, perhaps China and perhaps in, in, in conjunction with Iran, that there was a mutation um, of an existing virus, perhaps, I don't know whether it was to weaponize it, to use it in the future, or whether just medically trying to understand um, the nature of virus, and that somehow that escaped from the laboratory confinement uh, due to lack of security. And so you're simply, you're, you're looking at something that probably existed in nature, anyway, but it may have been man-made altered or it may have crossed species. And when that happens, then people are not prepared physiologically to combat the bacteria or the virus because there's been no exposure to it in the past. Right, you know, I believe this, it is. Wait, let me, let me, let me add this. The flu that we get every year, the flu that kills the 10,000 people, or 100,000 rather, globally, it's the flu, the Spanish flu of 1917, that killed millions of people globally because it had never existed before. So what's happened is over the years since 1917, we've developed our own immunities, our own ability to fight it, and we've also developed vaccines. 
whether or not you believe in them. But the bottom line is the flu we get every year is still the Spanish flu from 1970. Coronavirus has not been out, has not, we've not been exposed to it before. And so it's going to be around for a very long time, but we're going to develop immunity to it to a certain degree. And I have two more things. I think that, go ahead, Melissa. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, two more things. Cold weather kills the virus. And second, uh, I think the, our beautiful government can please get harder and stricter uh, laws with the foreign countries uh, because they, they test and go crazy testing all these and even cloning, and that's where it's coming from. And then there's beautiful people in this country are panicking, and they shouldn't panic. Just calm down, like you said. And I thank you for the show. It's mine well, from the heart. Thank you from the heart. Thank you for calling Melissa, in, Melissa. Go ahead, Melissa, Carol. There, Melissa, there was international knowledge. The lab in Wuhan was insufficiently protected. Was there, there was an international awareness and effort to try to get the Chinese to um, have protection at the lab in Wuhan. And so I do think that there, there was an awareness, but getting the Chinese to comply is very difficult. And so that's why I think more likely than not, it escaped out of that lab and not from the bat soup market that was near the lab. It's more likely that it, you know, the insufficiency of the uh, protections for the laboratory and the lax methodologies with which they were using viral um, um, Methods of understanding virus and, and and studying virus that it came that it came out there and and not because we weren't trying the world wasn't trying to get that lab to be more um, circumspect and more protected but because we were having difficulty getting the Chinese to comply I think that's a that's a big part of what happened. Well, I think that exacerbated it to a, a worse situation, whereas if it was identified immediately and we didn't immediately start the fear-mongering that it probably could have been contained in China. But because uh, initially, what happened? Everybody got fearful. Cover it up! Cover it up! It's It's a story. So they started the story that it wasn't anything, and then they realized, oh my gosh, that story isn't going to stick. And so then they had to come out with the truth eventually. Um, and now that we know the truth, uh, it's a, a virus, and it's as contagious or more contagious than the flu, and it will harm people. So we're, I think the best thing is uh, for people in the United States to know is that we did take appropriate steps, unlike Italy that just kept their borders open and allowed everybody to come into their country. And I'm not saying that they did that incorrectly. They were just unprepared for the reality. Uh, and if we really knew uh, uh, from the onset how contagious it was, we would have taken world steps a lot sooner, I think. So you're right. It's uh, If we could get every country to comply, it would be great, but every country does what their country thinks is in their best interest, and when you have a communist country, they want to keep everything under wraps because they don't want to lose control of being the, a single power heading the whole, you know, country. And so I think well, that's, that's why that, it is. Go ahead. 
I also think that um, a lot of the condemnation against the president initially for um, stopping China travel from China was really irrational because his stopping travel from China and now subsequently Europe and closing the Canadian-Mexican borders as well, except for essential goods, is probably what has kept our rates as far down as they are. And so it's proactive to stop national travel coming from those areas that had high concentrations of the virus. It's very proactive. Well, and the other thing, wait, one more thing, Jay, one, this goes to the fear level and mitigate it. The reason the numbers are climbing daily this country and will over the next weeks is not because it's spreading so 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 incredibly infecting so many people. It's because we finally have the test kits disseminated to test who actually has it. And so the numbers are going up. We weren't able to test before. Those numbers taper off in a couple of weeks. When we have tested most people who have symptoms, everybody doesn't need to test. The only people who test are people who are exhibiting symptoms, and now those test kits are out there, so the numbers are starting to come in. But it isn't that it's getting worse. We're just finally getting accurate numbers. Um, I I appreciate what you said. I just wanted to tell you, Carol, that it's actually been an hour, and uh, I want to try to say, I want to try to end this show pretty quickly now because I want to try okay. to keep it into the outer range. There, um, there's, I think there's one more caller. Uh, so should I, t- let's do the last caller and then we'll uh, wrap up the show. Okay, Carol? Sure. Okay, I think it's, uh, um, let's see. keep pressing the wrong computer. <laughs> Gosh, sorry. Um, nine five one. You're on the air. Did you have a question? Oh no, five one. Oh, that went back to five one two. Hold on a second. Oh, there you go. Um, nine five one. Did you have a question? Yeah, you know, how long do you think this uh, virus will be lasting? Another couple of weeks or a couple of months? Uh, do you think it'll be probably be over by then, huh? Uh, I think we're going to have it for several more months. Um, I, don't, I don't know what you're feeling, Carol, but I think what we're going to have is an escalation. Here's my, I was trying to see if I found my blood card. So here's my card for my implants. Those are like the stickers that they take off of each one of them. I heard. Sorry. There was like... Uh, it just opened up a whole bunch of lines. So did you want to um, thank you? That was Nathaniel, who is a regular caller, and I just wanted you to uh, – I'll try to repeat that. And, um, I think the coronavirus will uh, uh, continue. It's with us. It's here now. It's not going away. It's, it will always be with us, I believe, from here on out. I think the control of um, how we are dealing with it and – getting um, a vaccine will take like a year for the vaccine, but I think we'll get in control of it within uh, four or five months, and then we'll uh, work to having the vaccine available uh, where people can get inoculated like they do for the flu 
But I think it's going to be here. It's here now. I don't think it's disappearing ever. But you can add what you think you know, Carol. No, that's I, I just agree 100 percent. And Nathaniel, if you if you heard me your show, the flu we get every year before the coronavirus, but just the general flu is in fact flu of 1917 that killed millions of people worldwide. We've just developed antibodies ourselves and an immunity and uh, a vaccine. So it will be the same with the coronavirus. It will be around for a very long time. It will become manageable. I will just add that I have never had a flu shot in my life, that I had a medical doctor of the utmost respect for one. When I told him I, I should get a flu shot, he said, no, you should. He said, build up the immunity. Get the flu. Build up the immunity. He said, get the pneumonia shot if you're over and it could kill you, and it's a dead vaccine, not a live vaccine. So he said, get a vaccine, but get a flu vaccine. I only, again, this isn't medical advice, but it's only to say I've never had the flu, I've never gotten a flu shot, and I've never had the flu, and just hope it stays that way. <laughs> yeah, I hope so for your sake. And on a final note, I want to just kind of end with this because uh, one thing that I did hear that I don't know if this is true or not, that the, um, and I heard it uh, when with the CDC, uh, um, that the severity of the flu this year might have contained aspects of that coronavirus that already has spread to the population. So that a lot of people might already have uh, aspects of the coronavirus with no symptoms or anything because it is global. So um, if you if you really did have a severe, like I had a really bad flu reaction in February where I spiked a fever um, that I should have gone to the hospital for. Uh, it was 103. So, and that flu was extremely hard on me. Um, was it, did it contain part of the coronavirus? I, I don't know that, but I do think that uh, there's a possibility that when it escaped in China, that it did spread all over the whole world in a, a diluted or a uh, um, less of a strength than at the initial source. Like people that are getting saliva on them, uh, uh, that's how they're contracting it. But I think it may have had an aerial uh, aspect of it, you know, that we don't, we haven't identified because it's a brand new virus. We don't really know everything. Um, and let I me, did. Wait, the just, CD... hey, Jay, let me, Go ahead. Jay, let me speak to that. This morning, Dr. Fauci of the C, of, uh, was on television with the president, and he was asked that question whether there's aerosol uh, transmission factor, meaning that a droplet in the air for a period of time and, and if we're infect someone. And he said it's possible. He said, we don't know enough yet. It's possible there's an aerosol aspect to this, and you don't need actual contact. He said what we do know at the time, what we know at the moment, is that physical contact will transmit, which is the reason for social distancing. But there's a lot we don't know. Let's just close the show by saying this. Nothing you've heard on this show is deemed medical advice. What I do or don't do with a flu shot is for my personal, uh, my choices and, and my personal way of living life. We all have to do what we feel is best. And this is not a show about medical advice. This is a show about, because I'm an attorney, Jay, and you know that. And I want to be clear for our listeners. What this show is about is how to manage fear so as not to suppress your own immune system by 
it compromised by the flight or fight syndrome because you are constantly in a state of defending yourself against what is most, mostly psychological fear. So I, I close off for me, Jay, by saying blessing to everyone. Stay well, stay healthy. I'm, I am available for private readings on my website, Carol Gold or Carol Goldstein. That's Carol, C-R-O-L-E, gold.com. Happy to talk with you privately if you so choose in a private session. Thank you, Jay, for the pleasure of joining you. Yes. Also, Carol has the books that – talk about the book and the um, match, the program that you have. Oh. Yeah, the Relationship Gap Program is also on my website under products. It's how to help couples get through blockages in their relationship without needing therapy. It's a fun survey they can take to get scored. And the other thing is my book on Amazon called The Questions God Will Prepping for the Final Exam. It is, in fact, all about how to manage empathy, fear, and how to use 12 of the highest principles in the universe to be your highest self and live your highest life. It's a very practical book on what you can do every day in your own life. And I think, and Carol, maybe we'll do a, a follow-up on this in a few days or a week. Um, I thank that you very much, uh, all of everybody that's tuned in, and hopefully this will give you a little bit of uh, enlightenment. I just want you to uh, listen to the story that you're telling Pick out the pieces that aren't true, that are story. Try to under identify the facts, and then you'll see where your fear actually is. And then when you do know your actual fear, you can face it. Or you can um, apply methods to create an alternative reality. So, uh, and Carol, as always, I think you always speak so articulate and great on subjects and you are an expert in this area because you have written stuff and you've experienced this on levels that a lot of people you have to experience some things in order to be uh, um, a, able to uh, transcend the experience so um, I know you've transcended many fearful experiences as I and so uh, I want people to know please just identify what your fear is let go of the story, and uh, if you can't figure it out yourself, seek professional, you know, additional help. It doesn't have to be professional. So um, any last word, Carol? No. Stay safe and stay okay. well, everybody. Okay. Thank you. Uh, namaste, everyone, and thanks for the callers that participated. And I'm going to uh, – we're going to – just remember, life's amazing. Uh,